With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Episode 456 of my podcast, the home of intelligent rambling, right here on the Talk Shoe Network. I'm your host, Russ Hale. A terrific show lined up for you today, as the winter season is really kind of approaching here in southern central Ontario. Going to start things off with a bit of a uh, Yule time favorite, going right back to the year of 1974, and the daddy, really, of all slasher films, it is the season's grievings edition of Black Christmas, where a killer stalks sorority girls around the holidays. Then we go from the uh, the deadly Christmas to the deadly seas with season two of Black Sails, courtesy of Anchor Bay Home Entertainment, the star's original series, and of course, executive produced by Michael Bay, or Pirates of Plenty. Then we go from... The, the dead man's chest to a dead man in the ring. Because this past weekend, of course, marks the 25th anniversary of The Undertaker in the WWE at Survivor Series. So I thought, why not mark the occasion with my review of Undertaker 25 Years of Destruction, courtesy of DK Publishing. That's all on this edition of the show. As well, I'm going to throw in my review of the Halo series. Speaking of a long franchise, we, uh, I'll talk about the Master Chief Collection and as well the most recently released Halo 5. So from a legend of the ring to the legend in video games, all right here on this edition of the show. So I'm going to take a quick little musical interlude right out with the first review of the show. episode is Black Christmas on Blu-ray, the season's grievings edition, courtesy of the great folks at Anchor Bay Home Entertainment. Now, this is a very interesting movie. Long before Friday the 13th and Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger, there was this movie. Now, this was done back in 1974, and and one of these movies I kind of heard about for years and it's right up there with kind of Silent Night, Deadly Night, and one of those kind of cult movies that you've heard about for years, but you never really got a chance to see because there's no way in heck they'll ever have this on TV anymore. So so it was, it was kind of like that. And then when I saw this on the release schedule for Anchor Bay, I thought, man, you know, for all the happy, jolly, and, and, and upbeat holiday movies out there, and there's a lot of them out there, trust me, this ain't one of them. 
Now, this was done back in 1974, and it's very much a revolutionary film if you look back at what came before it. In 74, this was way before the boom of slasher movies in the, in the 1980s, and nobody really had done this kind of movie before. Now, the, the movie is directed by Bob Clark, who, of course, was also responsible before this for Porky's. And this is a Canadian-made movie, which is kind of cool. Uh, and it's so Canadian. We have Margot Kidder in this, of course, went on to be Lois Lane in Superman. This is very early in her career. And Andrea Martin is in this as well, who, of course, went on to be in Second City. So we have a very Canadian kind of feel to this. And the funny thing about this is that it's filmed in Toronto. And yet during the movie, they try to make it look like it's an American city because the police sergeant also has an American flag on his desk. So <laughs> that's it's kind of funny in a way. The The police sergeant, the main one in this one, is played by John Saxon, who has been a veteran of many a movie since then. He went on from this to star in quite a few genre films. And, and so this was very early in his career. The, the, the plot of the movie is not really that complicated. It's Christmas Eve or around Christmas time. And the sorority girls get an unexpected visitor in the form of Billy. Now, what they did with this movie is you, you don't really see Billy a lot in this movie. You, you, you hear him, his voice, and there are some very creepy phone calls in this. They, they make a point. This is one of these where where you, you hear the killer and you see glimpses of the killer, but you never really get a full body shot of the killer. And that's what kind of makes it creepy. Also, they did something which these days, you know, modern cinema uh, goers look at it and go, what, I've seen this a thousand times. But back in 1974, they did something that was kind of revolutionary for the time. The, the, the most of the killer shots are all POV, point of view. And, and there's one point where the killer is climbing a trellis to get into the sorority house. And the way they filmed it is they mounted the camera on the guy's shoulder, cameraman's shoulder, so you could see the hands climbing the trellis. And that's pretty creative for 74. And that's not an easy feat because, you know, back 40 plus years ago, cameras were a lot heavier than they are today. So that guy must have had shoulders of steel to be able to haul that camera up with him to film those shots. Now, if you're looking for a huge gore fest, you're not really going to find it in Black Christmas. Yes, people die. And there's a, a killing scene involving a glass unicorn, which is just nasty. But but it, it's very much, a lot of it's done off camera. And, and you see the results of it afterwards. But it, it's shot in that kind of way. And there is really no nudity in this. That's one of the differences between maybe this and its, and its <laughs> the predecessors after this. Is that, you know, in a lot of the other slasher films in the 80s, it's always a couple gets kind of friendly and there's a bit of nudity and they're dead. In this one, not really any of that. And there are some genuine creepy moments in this film. And and the, the soundtrack is, is very odd. It, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's different and, and really sets this movie apart from almost anything else you'll see. And it doesn't have... I'm going to tell you, it doesn't have a happy ending. 
Uh, Dave Alexander from Rue Morgue, who of course is at Fan Expo every year, calls it a terrifying genre masterpiece. And I'm going to say, that's not too far off the mark. If you're looking for a happy holiday movie, this isn't it. It's very much in the same kind of theme of Silent Night, Deadly Night, just not with a crazy Santa. Uh, so it, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite the movie. There are really good scenes of suspense in it. And the extras for this season's Grievings edition are pretty good. It's one of these cases where I'm amazed at how much they can cram on one single Blu-ray disc. But they do it. You have over two hours of new material in this edition. Because they have released previous anniversary editions of this movie. You have uh, Billy is Watching. This is a commentary track with Vic Mancuso as Billy. This is super creepy. This is um, where where you watch the movie and the actor in character is commentating on the movie. It is it is something you you really want to creep yourself out. Watch this with the lights off and no around nobody much around. It is just a very I never seen commentary like that before. So it points to them and, and that the actor can still do that voice uh, all these years later. You get uh, the the doc- documentary, um, the Black Christmas Legacy. This is um, many industry insiders kind of talking about the longevity of this film and how you know, forty plus years later, people are still talking about Black Christmas. Um, you get the fourth anniversary panel at Fan Expo. This is really cool. That that stars John Saxon, Art Hindle, Lynn Griffin, and Nick Mancuso. This is a, a, a it's it's a nice little insert from the Fan Expo panel. And for all those people who couldn't attend it last year, like myself, it, it's nice that they filmed that. And you get some interesting insights into the movie. Uh, you get a 16-page Rue Morgue mini magazine. That's cool. Uh, if you've never checked that magazine out. You get a gallery of the many of the promotional materials they use for this, which... It's kind of cool to look back and see that. You get the original script with handwritten notes as a, a BD-ROM element. And, of course, you get many archival um, featurettes, such as docu- other documentaries, interviews, be- the scene scenes, commentaries, a lot of stuff. I mean, the and, and you get um, the interviews are, are from some of the main characters in it, Margot Margo Kidder, Olivia Hussey, uh, a lot of the main actors and actresses are kind of interviewed separately about this. You also get to hear from the people who redesigned the, the cover art for it and and uh, just a wealth, hours and hours worth of behind-the-scenes stuff. You also get theatrical trailers, TV spots, and radio spots, which is, and those are always kind of nice to see how, the, how they marketed. Because back in the 70s and 80s, they would market horror movies on television commercials. You never see that anymore. But they, they, they used to. And it's kind of neat to see that material. Overall, if you've missed this movie, uh, this is definitely worth getting. Uh, if you have previous releases of this, the, the new extras are, are worth getting just for that. The movie looks as good as it's going to look for, for a 40-plus-year-old movie. And you can tell that the actors that did this really had a lot of fun making it. And they really got along. And and it's nice to see in this day and age of all this CGI blood and all movies like Saw and Hostel and all these high gore kind of movies that, that you have something, you know, from 40 years ago where it was 
equally terrifying, but no CGI, just practical effects, and and a lot of it left to your imagination. And that there's, I think, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's and it's nice to look back at, at that um, that kind of filmmaking back in the day. Um, yeah, if you like a good horror holiday special and want to see what the inspiration for many of the slasher films to come, and they they do talk about. Bob Clark talks about how how he may have inspired the Halloween franchise because of his movie. Then yeah, check out this uh, this, this this feature. There's the movie. There's lots of good uh, extras, and and it's a nice change from all the the bright holiday stuff that's out there. So that is my take of Black Christmas, the season's grievings edition on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Anchor Bay Home Entertainment.
My TV show on Blu-ray review for this episode is Black Sails Season 2, courtesy of Anchor Bay Home Entertainment. That's the second season of the very popular Stars show, which is set 20 years before the events of Treasure Island, and very much follows the adventures of Captain Flint, played by Toby Stevens, and John Silver, played by Luke Arnold. So that that's pretty much... Your, your main kind of focus here. Now, at the end of season one, we had a huge cliffhanger where, where the, the crew of the walrus had found the Urca gold, but it was trying to get it back was part of the challenge. So as we kick off season two with the crew of the walrus, with, with, with Captain Flint and John Silver trying to, they have to, they have to take back, uh, you know, get a ship back because their walrus is kind of damaged. And 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 try to recover the gold, and this ends up with a kind of a a season long struggle for power. Th- this this second season is very much a power struggle with people that want it, and people that have it and want to keep it. The 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 big story arc coming from this is is we almost have two sets of relationship triangles. I'm going to say relationship because I really can't say love. In one end of it, you have Captain Vane, played by Zach McCowan, with 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 um, Captain Flint by Tony Stevens, and then you have Eleanor Guthrie, played by Hannah New. Eleanor, in this second season, finds herself kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place between Flint and Vane. At the start of the second season, uh, Vane has taken over the fort, and has pretty much you know dethroned uh, Eleanor Guthrie. The, this doesn't settle well with her, and and so she finds herself pulled between Flint and Vane, and that these two really, for the good chunk of this season, do not get along and are very at crossroads. So there's that kind of try relationship here. Also, as the season go, goes along, we also get a really interesting kind of try relationship between uh, Rackham, played by Toby Schmitz, uh, and Bonnie, played by Clara Paget, and of course Max, played by Jessica Parker Kennedy. Those three have a very uh, interesting three-way relationship. In this, we, we get we get some backstory into the character of Anne, who, who's very much mysterious in the first season. Both Anne and, and um, Captain Flint and Miranda really we really find out a lot more of their story in this season and and, and answers a lot of questions and I have to give credit to uh, Louisa Louise Barnes that plays Miranda she just does an amazing job this season so we finally get some backstory behind Captain Flint who who isn't really Flint and and we find out why Anne and Rackham are really as close as they are. Also, this this season two, Rackham kind of comes into his own and really kind of comes more of a forefront in this season. And by the end of the season, well, Rackham really is riding high, and it really sets up ooh a very interesting confrontation. Come season three, there's going to be some major conflict 
coming up. Now, as with the first season, this is a very adult show. There is episodes of violence in this show, which there's one point near the end of the season. I don't want to spoil things for you because you know I don't on this show where I it literally took my breath away. Something happened and I went, holy shit, that just happened. And and and, it, and I I credit that. I mean, it's not many shows that do that to me. Game of Thrones can do that to me. Walking Dead can occasionally do that to me. And now this show can occasionally do that to me. Shows that it, it's one of these shows where you just, especially with cable shows these days, you cannot assume that anybody is safe. I don't care how big a character you think they are, <laughs> they can die very quickly and very violently without any warning whatsoever. And that, I got to say, that makes for a really gripping television. Because, you know, I've been watching TV for uh, quite a few decades now, and when anything surprises me, I'm impressed. And and this show is, is just right up there. The last three or four episodes are just crazy. The the violence in this show is right up there. The... the, the whew, Oh, people buy many silent ways in the land of the pirates are. So this is, once again, not a kid's show, not a show to be watching around kids. There's language, there's nudity, there's violence. No. Does it help to have watched the first season to appreciate the second? Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I have to agree. It'd be really, it's kind of really hard to, to jump into this season second season in because there's so much that gets set up in the first that kind of pays off here in the second. I mean, the relationship between silver and Flint really goes some interesting evolutions in this season and, and and is really setting up silver to be the legend that he will be by the time treasure Island comes around the bend. So it's it's very much the ships in this show are 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 really impressive. I mean, the, the sets are just amazing. And every time I watch the show, it, it just blows me away. The, the music, once again, is is done um, by um, by a bear McCreary. And 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 he is just fantastic. I love his work in Outlander. And and I challenge you. Not to find the Black Sails theme very catchy. For extras in this second season, not bad. You get you get five feature heads. You get Inside the World of Black Sails. It's a nice kind of look into the second season and what goes into making the show. You also have Man of War. This is a nice featurette on on the sh- one of the ships in the movie on the in the show and how just the effort they go to building these things is just amazing. You're expanding worlds. This is um, introduction of many of the new characters in in the show. And this show does introduce you to a lot of new characters in second season. There are some characters from the first season. I'm going to tell you, don't make it through the second season. So there are some significant deaths in season two. You get uh, high seas action. This is a nice little featurette on all of the amazing stunts that they did to make this show happen. And the amount of CGI, they use CGI so well, half the time I can't tell it's using it. It's that good. And then history's influence. This is a nice featurette where they talk about 
how how historical events affect how the the show runs. It, it's a nice look into that, and I, I love watching these some of these featurettes because you actually get some of the cast talking about the show. And I don't like that. As much as I like to see the production designer and the set designer and the yada yada designer, I like to hear from the cast members. And you do get that in these extras. In, in general, I, I as, as a whole, I, I really enjoyed the second season. I really felt that they, they built on the first, gave you fresh new characters, and really progressed things in a well. There, there's one point when it um near the end when it came to um rescuing flint and it, it's such an ingenious thing to do and i've never seen that done before with cannons and and that's just the way the show does Go- oh, visually it looks gorgeous it, it's it's just one of those shows that really shows itself off on blu-ray if if you have not seen the show i encourage you to check it out and and i would say Watch season one first. You get an appreciation of the characters. And then when things happen in two, you're going, okay. It it, it packs more of a wallop and more of a significance, in my opinion. So that is my take of Black Sails, a complete second season on Blu-ray. Courtesy of the great folks at Anchor Bay Home Entertainment.
This episode is Undertaker. 25 years of destruction, courtesy of the great folks at DK Publishing. Now, this, of course, is coming out because Survivor Series this year marks the 25th anniversary of The Undertaker debuting in the WWE, then WWF. And that was way back in November of 1990. So that is a pretty significant marker when it comes to the career of a sports entertainer. And one of the things you have to say about Undertaker, he's been one of these guys that has been pretty consistent in the last quarter century. During the, the era of the Monday Night Wars, where many superstars and wrestlers were jumping back between WWF and WCW, Undertaker was one of those guys that didn't jump. Now, he originally came from WCW as Mean Mark Merrill, and they really didn't use him properly. You can find those matches on the YouTube, and you can see that they, as a company, really didn't know what to make of this guy. And and so they 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 dropped him. He came to the WWF, uh, then WWF, and and debuted as the Undertaker. And that character has not looked back since. Now, what's interesting about this book, and you do get a great intro in this one by John Bradshaw Layfield, of course, one of the commentators. On Raw, but a, a an ex wrestler and a and an opponent of Undertaker. Nice introduction where he talks about what this character has meant for the business. Now this book is is a great history of the Undertaker from his debut back in 1990, November 22nd, right up until his very uh, one of his more latest matches. It ends with his feud with Bray Wyatt. That happened back in WrestleMania play button, I believe, 31. So that that's the, the span of his career. Now, since, since the Bray Wyatt match, he has gone on yeah, still. I mean, yeah, so it falls right up to his last match in WrestleMania 31 in 2015, earlier this year. Since then, he has come back, and, of course, he is wrestling during Survivor Series. But this is a pretty good look at his career. I would, I could say that down the road, there may be an updated version of this book. But for now, this is as complete a story of the dead man as you're going to have. And what's cool about this book, it not only goes over all his different moves, all his different rivals, all the different matches, the amount of photographs in this book is truly amazing. The amount of research it took to 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 get this together is really impressive. And it really shows how this character has evolved over the 25 years. You know, he started off as Spooky Taker. He then was the American Badass for a while and then went back to being Spooky Taker. And all and all the different evolutions of this character is just truly amazing that somebody this long has survived in the business. Now, people are saying, you know, how many years does he have left in him? He, for the last few years, he was only doing WrestleMania, but now they seem to be using him more. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but the man can still go. And that's impressive. And I said, what this book does 
it, it, it goes over all the matches from his very start right to Bray Wyatt. Goes over all the different rivals he, he's had over the years. I mean, everybody from Hogan to Kurt Angle to the great Kali. The ending of the streak, of course. The, the passing of um, Paul Bearer. All these kind of things. Now, the way the book is structured, though, keep in mind, if you're looking for a, a, a backstage kind of kayfabe kind of, oh, you're going to hear comments about people talking about Taker and talking about his, you know, his real name and, and, and calling him Mark and all this stuff. No, <laughs> the, the, this is very much done as this is a character. So we're going to talk about him as his character. We're going to go through all these match details. We're not going to talk that it's scripted. We're not going to talk that the things are predetermined. We're just going to tell the story of the man as you saw him on television and pay-per-views and all that. So that is pretty much how it is written. And it it, it does, I mean, the, the, the pictures that accompany this are amazing. This is probably... The most um, detailed book you're ever going to find on this man's career uh, I've ever seen. It really goes detail by detail of everybody he's gone against. All the storylines that led up to the match, what went into the match, then the next match, the next match. and really plots his whole career. What I get the biggest kick of is just seeing how this character has evolved. And the many different looks he's had that he has evolved over the years. It's also interesting to see all these characters and and wrestlers that aren't with the promotion anymore, yet still make it into this book. And it really overlines that, yeah, this this is what what has made um, this character such a survivable one over the years. Because gimmicks come and go, but his just keeps going. It, it provides all his, uh, uh, think of his casket matches, just a lot of amazing visuals. And, and if you, if you're, if you're not a fan of him, then, then maybe you won't get much out of this book, but it really is the best kind of look at a man's career. And, and I would love to see this same thing done one day with Ric Flair or Dusty Rhodes or Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels or Triple H when he decides to finally, Retire. I think a retrospective like this is amazing. And how they've been able to keep all of these photographs and, and just the amount of research to put this all together, I'm impressed with. I don't think I've ever seen a book concentrate on one superstar so much and give such a complete match-by-match history of one guy. Because... That's the thing. His his whole his main part of his career has strictly been WWE. They don't even mention the WCW years. This is his his you know his, his WWF run and forward. So that's what you kind of have to go it in is that it's it's very much a a, a storyline kind of thing. So looking for a lot of behind the scenes, no, but. It is it is a great history of an amazing performer that is still going today, 25 years and running. 
So that is my take of Undertaker. 25 years of destruction. Courtesy of the great folks at DK Publishing. Baby, they're tumbling down They didn't even put up a fight They didn't even make a sound I found a way to let you in But I never really had a doubt Standing in the light of your halo I got my angel now It's like I've been awakened Every rule I had you breaking Is the risk that I'm taking I ain't never gonna shut you out Everywhere I'm looking now I'm surrounded by your embrace Baby, I can see your halo You know you're my saving grace You're everything I need and more It's written all over your face Baby, I can feel your halo I pray I won't fade away Hello I'm addicted to your life. I'd sort of never fall again. But this won't even feel like falling. Gravity can't forget to pull me back to the ground again. Feels like being awakened. Every rule I had you break The risks that I'm taking. I ain't never gonna shut you.
video game review for this episode is the Halo franchise, including Halo Master Chief and Halo 5 Rise of the Guardians, courtesy of Microsoft Canada. Now, you know, I, I, for years, I heard about the Halo franchise. You can't play video games for years and not hear about Halo. But I really never wanted to check it out. I mean, you know, Ramblers, when it comes to being first-person shooters, it's not really my favorite genre. Give me a third-person kind of game any day. I much prefer that view than first. But, you know, I'd heard about this franchise for a while, and I had an opportunity to check out Halo 5. So I thought, what the heck? Let, let's give it a go. So what I did is I went through and I played all the Master Chief to kind of work myself up to 5. Because there's a lot of history in the show. The basic... <laughs> or the game. The, the basic the plot line of Halo is in this... Maybe future Earth. They never really specify a timeline, but I think it's kind of future Earth. The, the, you, have, you have this race of alien beings who create these rings called halos, and these are rings of mass destruction. These things can just rain, you know, galaxy kind of destroying class weapons here. We're talking circular Death Stars, really. That That's what they are. So throughout these games... You, for the most part, are playing Master Chief, who is a Spartan, which is a, a head-to-toe armored kind of soldier who has to kind of go in and TCB, take care of business. Now, the first four Halo games, you you pretty much, for the most part, you you are playing Master Chief. And Master Chief has a AI guide named Cortana, who is, is kind of like his... I don't know friend really uh but she's an artificial intelligence and and this character plays a, a fair fairly big role when it comes to halo it it, it, it threw me off a bit because i'm at one point you're hearing the, the this female voice and you're thinking well is 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 master chief a chick and i'm going well no maybe not so so that's kind of the main focus so most of these games it's like oh shit there's a halo ring out there we got to go, we got to destroy it to save the universe, yada, yada, yada. As, as the games go on, there, there are times where, where you change off and you're not Master Chief. I believe it's maybe Halo 2 or 3, where at one point you become the Arbiter, which is part of an alien race, which you've been shooting up for the last little while. And, and, and as the franchise goes on, you actually team up with the Arbiter, and kick some other alien butt called the Flood, which are these parasitic kind of creatures that invade the galaxy. And the Arbiter is actually voiced by Keith David, which is really cool to hear him do a kind of spooky alien voice. And and really works well, uh, I think, with the franchise. So that that's that. Uh, throughout all the games, you, you do get control of various vehicles, including... A, uh, a four-wheeler called the Warthog, which that was probably my biggest learning curve of the Halo franchise is the vehicles because the Warthogs are really tricky to drive and, man, do they flip over easy. And that's one of my biggest complaints of, 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 the, of the Halo franchise is the vehicles are so flippy. And, and, once you, and, and you can kill your NPC... By flipping over your vehicle, and if they're standing too close, you kill them. And that's so stupid, but it happens. So you get a, a wide range of vehicles. It's kind of like a love-hate relationship, because cool, 
I got some vehicles to drive, but then they don't always steer properly. There's there's these ones called ghosts. It's either ghosts or banshees where they fly and it's either the first or second game. I found the controls for them really hard to learn. Now, as I played it and I got further into the game, they they got easier to control and it wasn't so bad and I got used to it. But the learning curve is a little harsh in this one. Also, one of the things I liked as the games progress, and especially when it comes to Halo 5, is by Halo 5, we finally have a waypoint. As you're playing missions, you can go, oh, you hit down the directional pad, and you're like, oh, I have to go over here. This is the direction I need to go in. A lot of times in the previous game, there is no waypoint in Halos 1 through 4. So when you have a mission, it's like, okay, I, I think I need to go in this direction. It's not really telling me to go there, but I haven't gone there before, so I guess I just keep going. A lot of the combat, to me, in Halo, you can run through. There are many parts of, the, the, of, of all the games where it's like, okay, you need to get from point A to point B, you know, and, and, if, and if you just run it, <laughs> you can make it without having to shoot a single thing. And there are many levels... I said, F you, alien biatches. I'm just going to run. I'm going to run to the next checkpoint. I'm just going to get there and be done. And a lot of times, that was the case. Vehicles-wise, I think the one I enjoyed the most was the Scorpion tank. That is so cool. And and, and it's so bloody powerful. And that was really fun to kind of go. Uh, with all the Halo games, you could only carry two weapons at a time and your grenades are kind of limited too there's no way you can up that you can't increase that as always with a lot of first person shooters you have regenerative shielding in other words you can take so much hit then you have to kind of back away and then take another and then go back into the action again uh, the the, the cutscenes in these games really do improve by the time we hit halo 5 they are gorgeous and very cinematic and very well done and really, that's what kind of kept me playing. It's like, where can I get the next cutscene where some cool stuff happens? Uh, also, Nathan Fillion is is in the, the game in Halo 5 as Buck, which is really cool. And, and they did a great job of capturing his likeness in the game. Because uh, I think, man, that sounds like him. It looks like him. And yeah, and, and the, the, you know, that looks like you're playing with Nathan Fillion. Now, what's interesting about 5 is you kind of take turns being Master Chief and another Spartan as well by the name of Locke. Um, and he's voiced by Ike Amadi. Uh, so you're, you're kind of playing two teams at the same time, and you're jumping back and forth. And one of the cool things I like about Five is it's not just you by yourself, a lone style horde of enemies, you actually are part of a squad in each each uh, instances, and if you go down, you can say, "Yo, I need help," and and then one of the NPCs will come and kind of resurrect you, and you can keep going, and you don't have to, you know, oh shoot, I have to do the stupid checkpoint all over again. The enemies vary. There there are some, especially the warden, who you fight on more than one occasion, who are really tough, and it's just a matter of shoot, 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 run away, shoot, 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 run away. And and that's the plot of it. I, I do like, the, the, I said, the squad thing really does help 
and really adds to the gameplay because you, you feel you know you're part of a team and you're not doing that. Now, uh, uh, there's two modes you can play. You can also play solo or co-op mode in the campaign, which is neat. So you can actually play by yourself or you can do co-op and, and other players for the internet join your squad. And that adds a, a different, you know, feel to the game and, and is and a fun way to play, play it. For multiplayer, you have uh, a fair selection uh, to play from. I did try little multiplayer and I did, eh, so far. I found I did better multiplayer playing as part of a squad than by myself. By myself, I just got punked and shot a lot. The nice thing about multiplayer is as you play through the game, you you can unlock a lot of outfit and you can really customize your online identity from the type of armor they're wearing to gender to the, the color scheme to the helmets. There, there's this... A lot of customability with that. Even the logo, you can change what kind of logo you have. Even the color of the logo. So that that is kind of neat and really adds to the um, to the online play. In a lot of ways, playing Halo reminded me of a lot of uh, Mass Effect, where you you just have these amazing cutscenes, very elaborate storylines, and and just a lot of crazy action on the screen. The, the way the game ended, there probably will be a Halo 6. I just don't know where they're going to go. They leave it in a little bit of a cliffhanger, but then throughout all the Halo games, they kind of do that. When it comes to varied backgrounds, yeah, for the most part, it's very much like the predecessors. You, you go from a wide range of, of, of um, I don't know, uh, backgrounds and settings and 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 you do get a, a fair amount of vehicles to kind of drive. And and I, they they did by Halo Five that there is a certain amount of tippiness, but but they've improved on it a little bit. And and the only thing that really bugged me, I'm not sure if it was Halo Two or Three. There's one of them where after all the fighting you do and the countless alien creatures you shoot. The, the the level ends by you have to drive this stinking warthog through this area and you can't mess up. You can't crash or flip. You have to be so precise. And if you don't do it, it's like start it all over again. And that drove me nuts. I almost gave up on that because it's like, wow, all this shooting and it comes down to ending this game by driving. Suddenly I'm in Carmageddon <laughs> instead of Halo. And if you get that reference, points to you. So beyond that, it it, it definitely was a um, a fun fun franchise to play. Lots of extra content, lots of replay value, and, and fun to play. Now I'm going to caution you: it, it's it's not really a kids' game. There is some adult content, and it can get quite violent at times, but. That's what it is. So if you want uh, kids to play it, I'd find something a little more G than Halo. But uh, voice acting is terrific, and the cutscenes, man, they just get better and better with this game. So that is my take of Halo, the Master Chief Edition. Oh, and by the way, the Master Chief Edition, just a ton of extras besides the actual the games themselves. So that is my take of Halo, the Master Chief Edition, and Halo 5, Rise of the Guardians, of course, all for your Xbox One, courtesy the great folks at Microsoft Canada. 
to wrap things up for this edition of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can touch me in a number of ways. You can always check me out on Twitter. I'm Rambling Russ on Twitter. R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me and I'll tweet you back. I appreciate all the followers and retreats and favorites I get on Twitter. And and just for people checking out the show, you can always, uh, if there's any artwork when it comes to the books and movies I review, check it out there. I generally post them on Twitter so you can see the books that I talk about. Also, check me out on Facebook, on my Facebook page. Just type in Ramble with Russell in the Facebook search engine, and you can find me there. And I also post pictures on my Facebook page as well. Uh, check out my original home on the internet. That's uh, at Libsyn. That's HTTP, full colon, backslash, backslash, ramblingrus, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S dot Libsyn.com. That's my original home on the internet. We have eight plus years of podcasting goodness. From May 2006 right up to August 2013. And then from there on, all the new shows were, of course, right here on TalkShoe, show 18411. That is my caller ID. And I hope you continue to check out the shows I do here. Coming up on future episodes of the show, got a lot of stuff to talk about. For more book reviews, I will get to my small scenes from a big galaxy. It's Lego Star Wars scene and a very interesting way courtesy of dk publishing movie reviews i'm going to talk about ricky and the flash a uh, latest release from sony starring meryl streep and rick springfield as as an aging rocker tries to fix fix things with her kind of messed up kids and as well uh i'm, I'm making my way through I'm almost finished season one of better call saul where it's the prequel to breaking bad on blu-ray courtesy of sony home video and i'm um, still trying to make my way through season one of madam secretary on dvd courtesy of paramount starring taya leone as a um as the secretary of the state that's all coming up in future episodes of the show also i give you my review of leon the professional the first movie from luke besson on blu-ray and the season one of scorpion on blu-ray courtesy of paramount home video that's all coming up in future episodes of the show also there are some great releases coming out in december from anchor bay and paramount from Paramount, uh, hopefully getting my hands soon on Under the Dome Season 3, uh, Zoo Season 1, and uh, Extant Season 2. That's all. And also um, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is coming out next month as well on Blu-ray. And uh, and as far as I know, Marco Polo is coming out on, on Blu-ray from Anchor Bay. So there's a lot of good stuff on the way. This coming season, of course, December will mean uh, my Christmas special, as always. And I will try to do my holiday gift guide as well. So lots of stuff coming up in the next few weeks right here on the Really Big Shoe. That's it for me, and we'll catch you next week right here on Rambo with Russell. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.